0: Today's show is sponsored in part by InterOptic. Fortune 500 companies choose InterOptic optical transceivers to minimize the risk of network failures and maximize IT savings. InterOptic's transceivers are 100% guaranteed compatible with Cisco, Juniper, Extreme, Arista, and others and available at a fraction of the cost. Work with the optics experts at InterOptic. Go to interoptic.com/packet-pushers to find out more.
1: Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship for details. If you've got something cool working with V6, hey, we want to hear about it. So join us on the IPv6 Buzz. We'd love to hear all about what you're working on, why it's cool. I'm Ed Horler with my co-host Tom Coffey and Scott Hogue. And today we're going to be talking about shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Online retail shopping, because we're going into the holiday season here and, uh, you know, things are, things are cranking up. And, and, and I, I imagine, uh, like many of you, if you all um, doing a lot of shopping on, on mobile phone, right? <laughs> and, and so maybe we, we talk a little bit about the impacts of, of IPv6 okay. and, and sort of that shopping experience and what goes on for the common end user. Because I think that's that's sort of fascinating and maybe talking about uh, what they might see with V6 uh, or even if they're even using V6. I think I think we can sort of all agree, I think, uh, based off the numbers that the mobile operators are pretty much done with V6 deployment. And I would say the mass majority of people who are using mobile phones are using V6, right? I think we can sort of say that um, <laughs> without too much question uh, because they've done a great job on the adoption side. So what's a what's an end user going to get from a mobile experience with ipv6 is there going to be particular things that that they will notice or that you know maybe they won't
2: notice but they get the benefit of the end user probably doesn't know which protocol is is taking place uh on their device nor would we want them to know which protocol was being used they just want the best end user experience whichever protocol may be chosen when The phones largely could be IPv6 enabled or IPv6 only. Therefore, when they go to a site that uses IPv6, there's no translation. There's just native end to end IPv6 connectivity from that mobile device. And oftentimes, you know, more and more shopping is done from the mobile device. You're browsing, you're looking at products. Do I like that? You know, would I look good in that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, does I think that make me th- look? Yeah,
2: it's super targeted today, right? Yeah, like it's
1: super targeted from Facebook and Instagram. Like right? Instagram is just a yeah. huge shopping site now, basically in terms of like mm-hmm. product promotion and everything else. So you're just seeing like tons of stuff being directed to people
2: based off of the creepy stuff that Facebook
1: <laughs> does to track you. Right?
2: <laughs> to yeah, put stuff up there. So yeah, and if those platforms already use ipv six, your V six enabled device. You're probably using a, a lot of ipv6 traffic out of out of your device you just don't don't realize it right yeah i think i think that's the
1: case for for most and then even if you're at home probably and you've got you know whatever spectrum comcast cox all of them are are dual stacked uh, capable um uh, for home residential broadband and so more than likely even if you weren't on their 5g or 4g service for the mobile operators you're still going to get v6 at home so you're still going to get the the same sort of end user experience of, of, of utilizing V6 that way too, right? So, so I think you, either way there, the the only place you might not be shopping with, with V6 is when you go to your office. <laughs> <laughs> Enterprise environments are still a little bit behind, but I think everywhere else you're, you're going to get that end user
3: experience with, with V6 okay. more than likely. People shop at the office. Oh my God, that's a scandal. it should be working. Should be working. I should where not. are the
2: content co- filters to prevent people? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a thing of a bygone era, isn't it? I, I, I you know, I remember when we had yeah, entire projects. <laughs> We're all going, about, are you talking about going into the
3: office? Is are, a bygone? Era well, or? no, no. I'm talking about
1: <laughs> sort of filtering the content around, like you know, where people yeah. could go and what you know. I mean, it's like you know. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's just me. I'm, I'm sure there are still yeah. corporate yeah, entities man, that do
3: that. Management threw up their hands a long time ago. <laughs> just,
1: just do whatever the hell you
3: want. Let's, let's, block, let's block Facebook from work <laughs> and everyone
1: just switches to their mobile phone. <laughs> that's not <laughs> there. Right. I, I don't think yeah. you can avoid that that behavior, but uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you can get still get a better end user for the shopping experience.
3: But for the management folks listening, they're they're getting a, a shabbier experience trying to shop at work because they they're not v6 connected, and so it's, they're not performing as well over IPv4. So, yeah, they if you take comfort in that, if you're bidding on that on that
1: toy and it's popping up on the site, you might not be getting there as quickly as someone else.
3: That's right. <laughs> right? You're being
2: yeah. you're being natted. You're being yeah. natted by natted by natt. (laughs) Well, the NAT, let's say you're in Denver, Colorado in your branch office, but your egress is out of the corporate headquarters in St. Louis. So your V4 traffic gets backhauled back to whatever the internet perimeter is at your company. There's a NAT that takes place there. And then on the server side, the web content you're going to, there's probably at least one NAT in either a a load balancer or even a a CDN, you know, there's another NAT there. So there's at least one, if not two or three different NATs between the client mobile device and the actual server or container, software container that's performing, you know, the application service. Right. And there's probably a content delivery network and a server
1: load balancer and, you know, uh, and maybe another firewall with (laughs) NAT.
2: Even for the server-side component, right? Yeah, there's a there's a proxy, an inbound, you know, reverse proxy at the web tier, yep. and there could even be a, a proxy or a NAT at the app tier or at the container level at the app, you know, at the app tier for HA on the back end. Yes, yep. or search because oftentimes as you're doing searching, you're browsing products, you're going through a search and app server, you know, you're searching and you're filling a you're filling a shopping cart and things like that.
1: Yeah, you know? and, and and even with the content delivery networks, who are going to obviously there to push content out to the edge and, and improve performance, you're going to see that for V4 and V6. Mm-hmm. But you you don't have because you're just a direct request going immediately to that site location. Mm-hmm. You're not dealing with the NAT that's happening within your your client access side, right? Mm-hmm. You may not have to yeah. deal with it on the server side because of the content delivery network, but you're still. Yeah you're still avoiding all of that, which is, hey, half the equation, right? So yeah, so there's, there's advantages there.
2: Yeah, and if you're on your mobile device and you're going to a website that uses IPv4, you're still going through a NAT. You're probably using either an IPv6 only mobile device or a device with a private V4 address that goes through a CGN right. somewhere in the mobile service provider network. If that's in your city, if I'm in Denver, maybe there's one here in Denver, downtown Denver at the Big Carrier Hotel, maybe there's a CGN there. Right. But if I'm in another city, you know, farther out, maybe then my traffic has to be backhauled back through Denver. Let's say I'm in Grand Junction or another city in rural Colorado, I get backhauled back through Denver, then my V4 traffic goes out to the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's latency added there. And when you go through any type of a NAT, you know, it's doing port address translation, it's converting the address, but it's also changing the TCP port number. And so you're also competing for TCP port space with all the other tens of thousands of, you know, local neighbors and uh, subscribers that are also trying to do the same thing. Right. Let's dig into that a little bit more. So if if,
1: if folks Mm -hmm. in the audience don't understand how the carrier grade NAT sort of scenario works. Uh, So if you're a, if you're a subscriber to a particular service provider, and you've got V4, and they're out of, or they're you know trying to conserve V4 address space, they have this concept of, of building what's called carrier-grade NAT, which is really them centralizing a large <laughs> NAT pool, right, uh, for a given neighborhood to maybe share uh, a certain a certain set of, uh, of IP addresses, right, and you're gonna you're gonna divide that up, and the way that you get basically more addresses effectively is by using TCP ports, right. Uh, to sort of allocate mm-hmm. that TCP and UDP ports but um uh, to sort of carve that up so i think that's that's an important thing to sort of understand is that if you're using v4 and you're in that scenario you could actually run out of run out of ports or the carrier could run out of ports and there's nothing you can do about it right there's you're just sort of stuck waiting for for that resource to free up hopefully it frees up pretty quickly and it's not an issue right but mm-hmm. it is it is a possibility
3: um, well and the irony is that cgnat is actually Perform, performs better, the more traffic gets offloaded on IPv6. You know, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. famous, the famous summation of a, a packet delivered over IPv6 is one that doesn't have to be delivered over IPv4. And so CGN ends up <laughs> benefiting from IPv6. It's like, look, our CGN is performing great. so we're not running out of TCP really Well, that's because, you know, half of your traffic is now going over IPv6 mm-hmm. in the case where, where the, the traffic has the option to, to pick one or the other. Um, yeah so so how let's let's talk about that really quickly how does it
1: pick uh how how does it how do we know you know when you're when you're trying to get to a resource how how does it know which one to pick um i guess i guess that's sort of an obvious question
3: but it's yeah and it's different it's different depending on where you're asking that question from right i mean at the host level versus you know how the the isp is deciding you know in that case with the isp level it's basically what they support you know v4 versus v6 Mm-hmm. Um, how they have that configured. But uh, it's a little more complicated at the host level. Uh, yes. Definitely have some some mechanisms for choosing which address family to use. Yeah, it's
2: DNS. If there's only an A record, yep.
3: you can only go over it, uh, V4.
2: If you get presented an A and a quad A record to your DNS request, yeah, that's the choice. Then that's the host operating system behavior or the browser. But right. then has to maybe say what do I do when I have the option of two.
1: Right. Yeah, and I think that's that that's an important point, and and one of the interesting things is is if if you are on a mobile device and you're V6 only, you're they have to synthesize a record for you if you're trying to talk to a V V4 only site, right? right? And yeah, so there's, that's there's DNS six four yeah. DNS six four, and so that's that's going to be the part that that's a little you know might be a little different or a little strange for for folks, but you'll you won't notice unless unless you're very unfortunate and someone's built a site that has like weird embedded IP addresses or something else in it in terms of Mm -hmm. redirection or things like that. But if they're doing things, you know, sort of in the modern way and using DNS namespaces to do redirection and stuff like that, everything should work just fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you do get breakage that way, you know, it's, you know, what, what do you do? I think it's probably reach out to your mobile provider and be like, Hey, I can't get to these sites. And so, um or i'm having difficulty mm-hmm. with those and they they can they can sit there and work through with the provider with the content provider to sort of figure out what exactly is going on there which sounds like a strange thing to call up and call up an open a support ticket or around, <laughs> around that i d- i doubt most people will feel comfortable doing that but the reality is, is that's probably what what's going on and they yeah they do a pretty good job of trying to track this stuff on their own like they can see when people are failing in that mm-hmm. way Within yeah. their network and so they they really try to be proactive to reach out to those content providers and say like hey you know your 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 shopping site doesn't work on our on our network we'd like it to work on our network were you willing to make some
2: improvements and changes <laughs> so that it will um, yeah. You call up and say, "Hey, part of my internet is down." Instead of "the internet is down," yeah, it's part. you I know, mean, specifically, you're
1: down. To you're, you're part heart. of my internet is, is down. down. Yeah, experience-wise, that's that's super important to make sure that you you say the right thing there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think I think the content providers have figured this out, right? Like the mo- they know that all the mobile operators have, have had to go to V6 just because they can't they they don't have a product to sell, if they don't have enough addresses to to hand out to all the devices that are out there, and we've got way more than what V4 can handle so and uh, and they don't want to be building as many CGNAT nat devices for mobile operator networks either they rather just route you directly out to where you need to go and not have to keep state so that way um, their their network's a little bit more flexible in terms of handling you know failures and, and other you know other things that might happen within their network so i think the content provider the major platforms for content providers really have have, have gotten behind uh, uh making sure that they've got v6 support because of this right Mm -hmm. so i I, and that's the the plus side of of sort of what's happening in the market today so i think
2: all the cdns cloudflare akamai aws fastly limelight they all support ipv6 natively in fact it's it's probably hard to get their services to be a v4 only service they might default to using both v4 and v6 for your content they are sharing for you
1: yeah cloudflare they don't even give you the while well, you have to go through and dig through the events options <laughs> to turn off v6 i think for the cdn mm-hmm. side uh akamai i can't remember if they switched over and did it i think they are now where if you stand up a new service with akamai i think it's turned on with v6 automatically they li- mm-hmm. they leave it off for those you know who had existing longer term accounts but they try and encourage you to, to mm-hmm. get v6 turned on Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, yeah, I think those are all good points for, you know, we're going into the holiday season and everyone's going to be doing a lot more shopping. And if you're, if you're one of those weird geeks like me and you're scratching your head going, am I shopping over V4 or V6? And obviously you know, you can open up Wireshark and figure that out, but, <laughs> or, or use a nice br- browser plugin. If you're actually, you know, shopping from your desktop, um, there's, a, there's a bunch of different ones that are, that are available.
3: IPv6 Foo, is that? Uh, yeah, I,
1: I, IPv I foo, yeah. ipv mm-hmm. foo, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one that's a great plugin. And so you can actually see where your traffic's going and and what type. I'm not aware of anyone that provides that on a mobile phone platform. There's some testing tools that you can use. And Mm -hmm. I think like Hurricane Electric's testing tools are still available out there that you could actually test and see, but uh, I don't know if it really matters on a mobile phone, right?
2: Mm -hmm. You could almost just assume it's using V6 yeah, and that you'd be safe in that assumption. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I I think that's a pretty accurate
0: thing. We interrupt this podcast for a brief word from Pusher sponsor InterOptic. InterOptic has been the trusted optical transceiver supplier for many federal, state, and local government networks and Fortune 500 companies. They provide friendly, U.S.-based OEM-agnostic networking expertise to help you choose the best optics and fiber to future-proof your networks at the lowest cost. Why continue to pay OEM prices for optics? Talk to the experts who will deliver brand-equivalent transceivers at a fraction of the cost. InterOptic can help you and your team create a more nimble physical layer, Their optical transceivers are guaranteed 100% compatible with Cisco, Juniper, Extreme, Arista, and other switches. Interoptic physically tests every single transceiver before it's shipped, and their transceivers are built to the exact same quality standards as the OEMs and typically come from the same manufacturing lines. That means you can purchase the same, if not better-performing, optical transceivers tested and designed by engineers who truly understand the specifications critical to your network at a fraction of OEM costs. It's time to take control of your Optic's purchases with Interoptic find out how at interoptic.com slash packet dash pushers. That's interoptic.com slash packet dash pushers. And now back to the conversation.
1: And is there anything else that, that, that you think you gain? I mean, you know, the end-to-end model is, is definitely, you know, probably uh, more prevalent there for V6. I mean, does that mm-hmm. give us any additional security or is that really just a manifestation of the fact that end-to-end just sort of just know what that mobile device is, the likelihood that you know, you're going to have any issues there is is diminished because you're
2: not going through as much NAT. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I mean you're you're still doing TLS. Mm-hmm. You're still you know validating a certificate through a certificate authority. You're still using those same techniques. Yeah, v 4 uh, v six is the same. Right? Encrypt the communication, so you'll still see the lock bar up there in the in your browser. Um, so the same. Application level security. There's no one the service provider decrypting your SSL connection, or if you're using TLS 1.3, you you can't have do some that extra anywhere. protections. But yeah. those all those techniques apply for v4 or v6 connections, right? Yeah, I think it's just important to point
1: out, you know, security. You should be hanging your hat on security on other related issues versus just
2: what the underlying protocol is. I think mm-hmm. That's that's an important point to make. Yeah. So no. It, advantage from a security standpoint, but maybe from the from the servers perspective, you know, they have maybe a little more assurance that they have a connection to a true buyer. Um, and so if that retail site is tracking client IP address as part of fraud detection, end user analytics, a lot of fraud detection, who's using fraudulent credit cards, making purchases illegally. Um, You know, they they look at the client IP address. And when you're coming through when the client comes through a mega proxy, they have no idea about the reputation or they're unable to do any type of traceback to try and do any more forensics about that transaction that led that is a risk to them, you know, fraudulent purchases. They're on the hook for. Um, But with an IPv6, there's more assurances that NAT hasn't been performed and tracebacks might be a little easier, that the client IP address that the reverse proxy is seeing and logging in the exported for header is likely to be the actual client address with IPv6
1: and 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 it's almost a reverse thing where um so carrier grade NAT can look like a giant reverse proxy right for for mm-hmm. for that side of for for the shoppers so it looks like an entire neighborhood is like one IP address <laughs> you can't really distinguish and so like you, you you have a difficult time telling if someone's trying to do like maybe false bids like eBay has this problem right of like you know like two people sitting side by side on a laptop at home and 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 trying to Drive up a price for a particular, <laughs> particular thing uh-huh. you know there's they want to do detection for that sort of stuff and and they want to know that the end user is, is correct it's almost a reverse in v6 because you can almost assume that the 64 belongs to like a house or a residence and you can sort of you can make some assumptions like it's rare that you're going to see like the 64 split across like multiple households or something like that like it's that's not how v6 is deployed from a service provider level so so it's like you can make some assumptions about like okay well if these addresses they're probably resident and they're probably in the same residence if they're you know coming from the same 64 prefix their lower their lower 64 may be different but it might be a mobile phone and a laptop and a tablet and a you know other devices that
2: that sit within the same household right yeah so. i guess along those lines then i guess a, a a retailer might care because if they pay for clicks on their ads They pay for those clicks, you know, their banners and ads and things like that to who's helping them serve them up. And they won't be able to differentiate a good click from a bad click. If it's over IPv4, I don't know whether that's a robot a a botnet that's doing click fraud or if it's legitimate user traffic. If it's IPv6, maybe they have more assurances that that was a legitimate click and they then they would pay for that ad being served. Yeah, I don't it's I don't like, know how much you can win on like claiming that you don't you're not gonna pay for a click <laughs> click over IPv6. Because you can still have NAT over IPv6. Exactly. That's a, that's a separate conversation we'll have, but uh, <laughs> yeah. there is no assurance hundred percent assurance that the client address hasn't been
3: modified. Oh, I think it gets over yeah, IPv6. I think it gets pretty pretty hazy there because if you're mm-hmm. talking about commerce telemetry and it's like maybe there's information related to the transaction based on where the IP is located. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. If, if, you know, then on, on the one hand you have the possibility that it's going through a, a NAT and you have no way of like tracing it back to what the location is by looking at the network layer. Anyway, you can always look higher up in the application. right mm-hmm. um, But you have the other issue on the V6 side, which is that you you may not have uh, available geolocation data Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it's just it's I'm, I'm not really i haven't checked into that world lately to sort of see how much granularity there is to the geolocation data available for ipv6 so if you're trying to do commerce telemetry based on the address you know maybe maybe there's depending on depending on the geolocation data you have there there may or may not be enough information there yeah i mean it's true yeah i, th- I think the geolocation data is is
1: is is pretty poor relative to v4 v4 seems to be much more actively tracked just because of just because of you know it's it's the current current protocol and people are paying a lot more attention to it but i think uh v6 is requirement wise is 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 bubbling up as a as a bigger requirement sort of across the board mm-hmm. so you're yeah. going to start seeing more geolocation data get more accurate in regards to v6 and where it's actually resident um yeah i i i don't think any of this will impact how you actually shop <laughs> <laughs> for, for those that are listening, it's unless you're geeks like us and you want to actually see sort of what's going on and, and what's the preference for for that that portion of it, I think that's a, that's a given. But the, but the good news is is that V6 works great for for there's there's no difference in terms of that side. Mm-hmm. You might actually get a faster end user experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on, depending on how that plays out. I, I don't know. Is there any other conclusions we, we have around it besides just you like, know?
3: I, yeah, I guess the, from the perspective of the online retailer, and, and there's a, there's a sort of opaque, if not hidden message here that, you know, we, we know there's that famous Google study from probably over a decade ago now related to how sensitive users are to delays when they're, you know, page loads, just like 250 milliseconds is enough to, to uh, in a, a Delta between one page and another page loading that users, you know, actually notice it and and may behave differently based on that. And so, of course, that was a big, big message to the online retailer community back in the day. And I think some some of what we've said here is that it's possible that you could see that that delta in transaction between IPv4 and IPv6. And so it's one perspective from the end user who may or may not notice what protocol they're using or may or may, or may not notice any uh, performance differences. But if I'm the online retailer. I, I do want to do my due diligence to make sure that, you know, I've got those those same resources available over IPv6 for folks to do the shopping uh, to to just, you know, basically eliminate the possibility that that I'm underperforming on my IPv4 connections and, and, you know, missing out on the potential benefit of having those folks that are native to v6, you know, of whom there are many in the mobile and the broadband community connecting to those resources directly over IPv6. Yeah, because
2: every page you go to is multiple TCP round-trip time transactions Mm -hmm. and if if each one of those could be 10 milliseconds faster and there's 200 different TCP connections created to load all of the different pictures and objects and and render them in the browser on the mobile device as you're shopping and clicking around, that adds up. So you could have 10 milliseconds per round-trip time faster then that's a quarter millisecond, you know, faster over V6 potentially. And yeah, you yeah, there's lots of studies about improved performance of a page and the conversion rates to actual purchases. The snappier your site is, the more people are likely to buy or they have the impression that you've got that you're a serious online retailer with a a site that's running, you know, quickly and not bogged down and being really slow you're like hmm where is this where am i buying this product from it right. seems really far away
1: <laughs> well i think mm-hmm. i think to wrap it up is is one of the other things that's super important is if you're an online retailer you want to be in, uh, available in every marketplace that your customer could potentially buy mm-hmm. so you want to be on v4 obviously because that's where the internet and uh, principal portion of internet traffic is today still but the reality is, is that because Everyone's moving to V6 on the mobile operator side, the home service. You want to be in that that space too, right? You want to go mm-hmm. meet your customer where they're at in a, in a native form. You don't want to rely on someone else to translate for you and hopefully everything's going to work for you, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big gamble. And and that's not the sort of gamble that most commerce sites want to take. They want to be able to
2: meet their customers where they're at and ensure that they can buy their product that way. Yeah, because because if you're a, an online retailer and you're using IPv4 only today, you've that's the only option a customers can get to you. And you're right. forcing them to those V6 enabled devices, which there's numerous, you know, V6 enabled end users now uh, that you're forcing them to get translated to V4 to get to you. But if you used both, then you have the option of choo- of the end user choosing whichever one is potentially faster. And you want to have that option. You want to have the choice to choose whichever protocol yields the best end user experience, but by using IPv4 only, you've limited your performance to just one protocol. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Is, is, is that, is that our thoughts around uh, holiday holiday buying? <laughs> yeah, but there's, um, there's been studies and statistics out there that show that IPv6 can be faster from certain geographies. Uh, APNIC has a, as a, site that compares round trip time from different geographies and countries, they take the the V6 round trip time, subtract the V4 round trip time to come up with a, num- a number. So if the V4 round trip time is is larger, yeah. <laughs> more milliseconds, then you end up with a smaller number you know, V4, V6 v being faster, subtracted by a bigger number, V4 being slower, and you end up with a negative number. So when you see negative numbers on their graph for round trip times, it's actually V6 being faster. And so almost all countries and geographies, with the exception of, you know, Asia markets, V6 is faster by at least 10 to up to 100 milliseconds. Yeah. Uh, V6 can be faster. So there's some statistics you can look at. And then also, Uh, At last year's Apple Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple is telling application developers who create apps on iOS and Mac platforms that they should be using IPv6 because it connects, what is it, 1.6 times or, or yeah, 1.4 times faster connection setup over ipv6 yes so this is apple telling developers this is why you want to use ipv6 in your mobile app because it can connect 1.4 times faster connection setup that's not that's a standard deviation that's a significant (laughs) it's not like oh 1.01 times faster no it's 1.4 times faster yeah that's pretty significant
1: Mm -hmm. yeah cool well you guys I don't know, I don't know about you, but I still got a lot of, uh, work to do to get through my shopping list,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I think there's
1: enough time. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, we'll, we'll have enough time to do, do whatever shopping's required here. So, <laughs> and the majority will be over V6 because, you know, I've got V6. <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't procrastinate. Don't wait until the last minute. Yeah. It's, it's, it's... Operators are standing by. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can always use the phone. <laughs> <laughs> like two of these, one of these, five of these and a large. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, unlike V6, we've run out of space for this podcast. Thanks to all our listeners. If you have any questions or feedback, please give us uh, you know, please go head over to packetpushers.net slash FU and the FU, FU stands for follow-up uh, and let us know what you think. We'd love to get um, uh, listener feedback. It's always great. Um, you can reach us at, at the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter at IPv6 Buzz. You can also hit up each one of us on Twitter too. Uh, Tom is at IPv6 IPv6 Tom. Uh, Scott is at Scott Hogue and I'm at eHorley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a ratings on iTunes. And if you like this podcast, we really recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud and Network Break Podcasts and all the other great technical content over at PacketPushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is.
0: Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.